Welcome to the Balanced Man Podcast with your host, Ernie Harrison. We have five pillars in our lives that need balance. Spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and financial. Join us as we interview pros in these areas to help us gain wisdom, pass that wisdom on, and leave a legacy for future generations. So my name is Ernie Harrison, and I'm here with Patrick McNamara, Pat Mac. The Balanced Man is what we're here for today. You do not need an introduction to most people out there, especially in the YouTube world, but I'm new to this, and I know I have a, a different a variety of audience um, out there, male, female, young, old, who may not have heard of you. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to give this information real quick, and you add whatever you want to as well. You served 22 years, right, Special Forces? Yes. Came in right out of the is something called it was uh sf babies but i remember when i went in this you go in right into special forces from airborne that's right. school that's right yeah. yep mm-hmm. and you retired what 2005 six yes correct oh five cool mm-hmm. and you're also the co-host of the podcast of the university of badassery correct Jay ortiz you are the that's professor right. of ass kickery what that i understand right there boom <laughs> you're also the author of the book uh the sentinel mm-hmm. uh, becoming the agent in charge of your own protection detail Correct. Great. All right. Great little read. Actually, I have a signed copy here from you. I, I've enjoyed nice. it. And uh, owner and operator of T Max Inc., mm-hmm. which stands for Tactics, Marksmanship, Adventure, Concepts, and Security. Boom. Hey, uh, Mac, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. You've done this a lot, but I'm very humbled by this. I'm new at this, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk Absolutely. with me. Absolutely. I appreciate being here, man. I, I When it comes to these things, too, I think it's important to find the time and regardless of the size of the audience a guy has if you could touch and assist or drive even one person it's great fulfillment yeah you know making people better people i love doing that and for whatever reason i am blessed with the ability to make people better people so i figure i just make time for these they're on my whiteboard and they're stacked up and yeah man because it's a really great feeling and it's not like an obligation for me, but more like a duty. You know, I feel responsible that I should do these things. So thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you. I, I feel the same way. You know, if it is one person, we can make a difference in their life. That one person might make a difference in a hundred right. lives or a thousand mm-hmm. lives. We have no idea where that impact is going to be, but yeah, it, you, doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't require a lot of work to spread uh, positivity. It really does. It's definitely harder to be positive than it is to be bleak. You know, being bleak is, it doesn't require work. It's pretty lazy. To be upbeat and to spread positivity requires a little more work, but um, damn, after a while, it just becomes, you know, a way of life. I've always heard it saying that if you just go with the flow, you just like a river, you just go wherever the river's going to take you. But mm-hmm. if you want to advance, you're going to have to turn back and swim against the current. Bingo. And, uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about how I come to know you. I was at a point in my life where I served... Uh, in the army in 82nd back from 2000 2005 one tour in iraq and um came out and ended up going to uh to bible college thought i wanted to be a preacher kind of like cj and mm-hmm. and anyway ended up joining the fire department and i uh, did as a paramedic and uh, firefighter for about eight years and uh got to be a little too much for me as far as no sleep and i mm-hmm. went to just straight paramedic got a little more time off to spend with my family and that kind of thing but anyway i was uh, at a point where i had been married for a couple of years had two kids and I have a five-year-old and three-year-old. And uh, I just kind of come complacent. I, I was happy. I was content, of course. But I just, I kind of let my physical fitness go. I was 
when I left the fire department where you do a thousand things to just do an EMS and it was just me and another person in one mm -hmm. building waiting for a call, you know, it's having a gun to your head, waiting for somebody to pull the trigger. You just never know. You know, it was just not as busy as the fire service. So yep. I was trying to find my niche and I found you guys and you own your podcast and man, you guys, like you say, that spark was mm -hmm. still there in me and you guys just fanned that spark. And, uh, I've followed you for over the last year, joined your squad, met some great people, man. You have wonderful people, a part of that. Right. And, right. And got to meet you at CJ, you know, last year, man. And you mm -hmm. guys are just absolutely a top notch folks, very genuine, authentic. I think those people are looking for, you guys sell yourself. You're just being yourself and people are drawn to that because you're real. Yeah, man. In a world of so much phony, you yeah. know, in a world of so much phony, just thrown at you from every which way in a world where we're consumed with fake and phony, I think people are, they crave genuine and yeah. authenticity. And so it's easy for like me and CJ to team up and go completely off. There's no script. We're not scripting anything. And we're, we, have, we have real good yin and yang, you know, where we feed one another. Yeah. And we have completely different delivery methods, but it works very well. Yeah. So nothing scripted or rehearsed. We just start chewing the fat, talking, and, and it works well, man. And people freaking crave that which is great great so yeah i love I, it I keep doing yeah it. please do this is a spark that you started in me in this podcast i thought of it 10 years ago it wasn't necessarily a podcast but i have a, a friend who's uh, a former delta operator yep. and um it's funny because i was in, i went to school for bible college and he was you know getting out of delta and we were talking about this idea of the balanced man but it was more of people coming together and and doing like a, a long four-day uh, event where you're focusing on different things each day so when I say the balance, man, I'm five key areas to focus on physical fitness, yep. emotional well-being, financial stability, and your spiritual life. And what I have found in life is if I can find balance in those five areas, not extremes in either, any of them, but just balance that my life runs so much smoother. Right on. And, and I know a lot of people out there who are struggling to find that balance. They don't even, maybe not even know where they're missing it. Right. And, and I, you guys have helped me so much in that aspect and to get the courage to start this up and like I say, I'm honored for you to be on here and, and talk about your life and hopefully make an impact in someone else's. I'm doing this for the first responders like myself and for the veterans. I think we, a lot of us out there are having that middle age mindset to a certain mm -hmm. extent. Like, you know, what is, what else can I do in life? Am I stuck yeah, in this? Yeah. You know, is there more I can do? And your testimony to that, you've reinvented yourself. Yep. And I like for you to, if you don't mind, if you don't mind telling me a little bit about your early life and then the story about your brother and, and wrestling and that kind of thing. And then what you did and how do you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So I was a, a quirky kid, not outstanding in any way, <laughs> but I was interested in a lot of stuff at a very young age, interested. And I wanted to learn, especially when it came to like mother nature stuff, you know, I was real nerdy in that, which also made me kind of a, a soft target too you know what i mean yeah because i wasn't the tough kid and a, a lot of people took advantage of that but not all of them i had friends in the neighborhood a lot of them took advantage of it my older brother especially took great advantage of it and he constantly tormented me and my, my parents knew but i didn't really complain to him i didn't express to them the level at which he was tormenting me i mean it was i had a fear constant fear of him 
he went to prison when I was for the first time he went to prison, I was 14, 15 ish. And I had some mentors in the neighborhood. They said, bro, you got to turn on a light switch. You have a year and a half. That's how long Kevin mm. brother is going to be in prison. You have a year and a half to get ready for his return. Cause they all knew they'd seen it. They've seen him beat me up. They've seen him torture me. And everybody knew that he was a, he was a big bully. So yeah, I started wrestling and I sucked, man. I sucked <laughs> at it bad. But once I had the first win, because a lot of us need a victory. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had a talk with a guy last night. It was a long, long talk. And one of the things I mentioned, because he had a really bad past 18 years, were horrible. Yeah. And one of the things I talked to him about was he needed small victories, small ones. Nothing grandiose, just small victories. Just start stacking up small victories. Well, that's what I started doing because I'd never knew what victory felt like. And it came in the form of wrestling. And then I started like lifting weights more and running on my own. I started really knuckling down on schoolwork and studying. I went from a real like mediocre student, C grade average to, to being on the honor roll. And I found a different self, which was cool. You know, it was like, yeah. holy crap. And, and then confidence. And then I started oozing confidence. It was a really great feeling. He got out of prison and I kicked the living out of him because he started crap <laughs> with me right yeah. away, instantly. Yeah. And so another victory. It was a yeah. big, big victory for me. Goliath. Yeah. It was, I think it was the victories in wrestling and the challenge of being, you know, self-governed. Because if you wanted to be good in that sport, you couldn't just do what the team was doing. You couldn't just go with the flow, like you said, on that river. You had to start swimming up current, you mm. know, which is a great analogy. So I started swimming up current. And training on my own because I wanted to be great at that. And it turned, you know, in my senior year, I couldn't be beaten. But that kind of uh, transformed my way of thinking too. What What's the next thing? You know, people, you start thinking, what am I going to do after high school? So like a lot of us, you know, who are like self-driven that way and we crave that discipline, we join the military. We become ground pounders. We become infantrymen. We become special ops guys, that kind of thing. So yeah, and the rest was uh, history. And then even in the military, you finish one thing and you th think to yourself, well, what's the next thing? And you finish that, what's the next thing? You finish that, what's the next thing? Because you want to, you develop this mindset where you want to level up, where you can't accept mediocrity. You want to just keep leveling up. You know, it, I could keep going on and on. I'm just going to talk some more. Because yeah, you said a couple of things, like we talked balance. So before this podcast, I looked up balance, like the definition, and it's you know, when you break it down you, you, and you think, number one, even distribution, steadiness, and then remain upright and then try to prevent yourself from falling, balance. But in life, we do fall, right? Now, the other thing you said is how busy you were as a fireman, always going on, and then you're sitting in a vehicle waiting for a call. Exactly. Guys like you, and I told this to that guy last night, I had, he had issues, he wanted to talk to me. And man, it was a really good two-pint talk <laughs> and i think i really helped him out because he had a real rough go the past 18 years it was a, just yeah. a it was a an amalgamation of horrible events one after the other from personal to professional all this but i talked to him about because he's not doing anything right now so like you in that vehicle i said yeah. bro you need to get busy you need to get busy right but balance how much busy we got to be careful we can't bite off more than we can chew even distribution so for me you know, the balance thing. I think about that. I was one of those dudes who would bite off more than I can chew. So now you got all you, your task list is just, it's daunting. 
and you look at your task list and you go, holy crap, I got all I should do. And then it rolls over to the next day, into the next day, into the next day. And you realize at some point, because this is what I wrote down, at some point you need to prioritize, right? When it comes to balance. So don't bite off more than you could chew. You need to prioritize. Then you need to visualize, to actualize, and you can't procrastinate. Yeah. Because yeah, that procrastination will just wreck you. So I think you need to stay on top of stuff because if you stay on top of stuff, what happens, and this is a very, very valuable commodity. When you stay on top of stuff, you don't procrastinate pretty soon. You know what you get as a reward time, yeah. like doing this with you right now. Yes, I had a bunch to do this morning, but I prioritized I worked my day around this event right here. And then, like I said, how much time do we have? I don't, I, I've got time. You know, I I made time for this, but it's such a good feeling because I remember there was a long chunk in my life where I did not have time. 10 years worth, 10 years, no time. It was one thing after the other. And you're looking now you become, there's deficit now, you know, and you start doing that deficit spending crap because the deficit is just, it's, there's so much freaking crap that needs to get done. And you're not doing it because you've bitten off more than you could chew. You're way too busy. You didn't prioritize. And man, I mean, it was just absolute freaking mess because like you said, the balance of finances that becomes, you start robbing Peter to pay Paul, that kind of man. I really had to uh, change my way of life. Thankfully what happened was the forced slowdown, coronation, the forced slowdown, was and and granted, I know that it was horrible for some people, right? People lost jobs, money, family, property, health. But for me, and and I understood that, and I really empathized, and I did what I could do for for charity. I would talk to Rebecca at night, and I said, you know what? This is a great, great time in my life, but people are suffering. We need to do something for them. You know, we did a lot of stuff through my local pub because the uh, the guy who owns it is a master at charity. He kind of guided me in in the right direction when it came to that, and. Man, just the coronation thing just absolutely 100% saved my life. And was, yeah. I was able to rethink, rebuild. And because I was sound and stable for those 10 years, self-made dude, bro, self-made yeah. dude. But I was way too busy. So yeah. anyway, I, I guess my point there was, you know, if you do those things, don't bite up more than you could chew, prioritize, visualize to actualize, don't procrastinate. You get rewarded with time. You know, so people who waste time, it, it drives me freaking crazy. You know, I know people who waste time, yeah. dude, it's so freaking valuable when you never have it. And then all of a sudden you do have it. You're going to want to maximize that. I mean, sure. I, I want to learn new things. I'm like, oh my God, I have like this weekend, this weekend, I, I, I almost have a blank slate. I, I, I know I have chores, but <laughs> man, I am so excited to have time and I'm going to figure out how to fill every second of that time with some kind of activity. And I'm, I'm hoping for either self-betterment or betterment of others. Sure. I think you've made uh, a tremendous impact over the last two years, probably more than all the other 10 combined that you were on the road so much, you know, yeah. so I'm glad to see it. And I wouldn't have the opportunity right now either if it wasn't for that. So I'm, I'm grateful. And that's the balance we find in life. You know, of course people lost jobs and that kind of thing, but other people who need, this part of Mac more than they need where you were before. So those five key areas like physical fitness, mental health, emotional well-being, financial stability, spirituality, I, the two keys for me, I was just curious for you, the two biggest for me, it would probably be my, if you had a foundation out of these five, 
my spiritual life probably is my foundation because yep. when I'm out of whack there, it messes up everything else. Mm-hmm. And so with that and my physical fitness, if I can keep those two consistent every day, trying to do something in that aspect, either having my, my time where I meditate and I read and, and then my time where I work out 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, everything else seems to go better. My, I'm better mental health. My, my emotions are better. My finances, I'm not making emotional decisions with my finances so much. You know, I'm more clear in that aspect. And I'm just curious, if, is that work the same for you? Or what, what is your foundation of all these five areas? What would be your foundation of the five? Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. So as you were talking, I was thinking about it. And I think mine would parallel yours pretty much. Yeah. The fitness thing is huge. You know, and I'm not going to go into great depth here. I have some health issues. So it's become paramount for me to maintain my ability to move, you know, fitness. Mm -hmm. So that also drives me crazy when people don't, because I have all my life and now I'm being robbed of it, but I am, I am battling through that because strong body, strong mind, you know? So there's, there's spirituality and there's solace in that exercise, that work. It's all, it's work ethic. And it, you know what it helps to when you exercise, it helps balance Sure. You know? So it's a necessary component to life. People ask, I don't answer them, you know, on the interwebs. How, how often do you work out? How many days a week? If I can every day do something sure. and something. it doesn't have to be crazy, but every single day, you know, and the other thing I make sure I do is I, I have a, you know, like a spiritual connect, connection with mother nature. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So sure. I want to get out every day and look at the birds at night, stargaze, that kind of sure. thing. I have a real, real solid connection with that. I want to see, smell. I want to absorb my surroundings and be a part of it because I am, I, because I feel like I am, you know, a part of my environment when I'm out there in the woods, just walking the dogs or a lot of times I go by myself and just, I could sit by a beaver dam and with some binos and and watch some birds. I know it sounds corny as hell and I love people it, look at me and they go bird watching. You don't look like a bird watcher, <laughs> but, uh, I get very almost emotionally when I'm out yeah. there. So yeah, those are real important to find that time, but that has to be a part of your daily task list. It yeah. has to be a part of that, that you got to throw that in there. You got to plan the time out. When is it a good time for me to work out? Especially if you know, you've got people with, there's people out there with, that are listening who have a family, they got to kids of different ages, they're working one job, they're probably studying for something else for betterment. So they're task saturated. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Even still find that chunk and it doesn't take long. It's like a half an hour. And that's why I, I, I like the concept of a driveway gym because time, I don't have to drive somewhere. You don't have to spend 15 minutes driving, 15 minutes yep. preparing yep. Uh, because that's what it takes me to work out is those couple 15 minute chunks. Cause I just walked to my driveway. Does it suck in the wintertime and in the summertime? Yeah, it does, but it's right there. So yeah, I could just get to it. And a lot of people, when it comes to the working out thing, there's tons of excuses um, to them. I say, Hey, just complete the first step. And that is show up, just show yeah. up, just get there. And, and then you could even start before that. And for me, it's get all dressed up. So get dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> I didn't get all dressed up for nothing. If you put on, I don't do gym attire, but if I put on my headband and my, my good workout shoes, it's now it, it's changed my attitude because yeah. it says I am ready for battle. Now I got dressed up. It's not like wearing a cape or having a shield, but I still, I am prepared. I got into uniform yeah. and then I need to show up. 
because it's getting harder and harder for me with this crap that I have, even just to get dressed and show up. But if, if I complete those two steps, it looks like I've got to go to work now. I've got to get it done because I got all dressed up and I showed up. That's, that's the, definitely the key is just, just to show up. I've done the same thing you have. I've had to drive 15, 20 minutes to the gym mm -hmm. and then work out for 30 minutes to an hour and then drive back. And with fuel prices like they are and all that, it's just a waste of money. Yep. And uh, you don't need a whole lot of equipment. And I did. I learned that when I was in the Army is one thing. Uh, I, I was right behind the class of Pat Tillman. He was one of my inspirations of going into the, into oh, the service right after 9-11. Yeah, cool, cool. And uh, they were talking about him, and then he came out of the NFL, and it was a whole different type of fitness. It was more of the uh, exhaustion-type fitness. It wasn't lifting weights and all that. It was rucking, and it was push-ups and pull-ups and more of the, I guess, the functional fitness-type stuff. But that I mean, you can do it anywhere. I, I walk around my yard. I, did, I learned when I was in Iraq, I did the four corners. And I was taught, you know, I'd, I'd run to one corner, I'd stop, and I'd do crunches. And I'd run to the next corner, and I'd stop and do push-ups. And I'd run to the next corner, and I'd stop, and I'd do uh, body weight squats. And I'd run to the next one, and I'd do jumping jacks. And yep. it was a fantastic workout. And uh, it didn't take long. Right. And so it's, you don't really need any equipment, you know, honestly, right. just to get those endorphins going and making you feel better. It's interesting. One of the things you said, too, is it was fun for you doing that. You know, the yeah. box or the whatever you called it, you know, the cor four corners. Yeah, four corners. Yeah. So it's fun because because that's another excuse that people have, you know, when it comes to exercise. They're, they get stuck in a rut because they lack uh, imagination, creativity. They're trying to follow what others are doing. So one of the things that drives me is coming up with the, uh, the plan, coming up with the plan. What am I going to do today? Now there's ownership. You plan this thing. so. You developed the uh, missions. Now there's ownership. So let me complete this mission that I developed in my head. So because otherwise people just go with a routine, you know, and I like to say that routine is the playground of a dull mind. If you think about it and plan it, it also it encourages the thought process, right? So mm -hmm. it encourages that, that cre being creative. I think being creative, you know, is um, something that um, we people get too lazy. We get lazy with being creative and imagining. Just because we're inundated with technology and, and sure. all this crap. So it's doing the thinking for us. CJ helped me out as well. You got me motivated to work out my back. When I turned 40, I'm, I'm 43 now. When I turned 40, something happened <laughs> and my back just, it was muscular. I thought it was skeletal. I have some degenerative disc issues as well, mm -hmm. but uh, it ended up being more muscular. I found a physical therapist who helped me uh, do some stretches and all that. But anyway, I, listening to you guys, I just got motivated. And I, I couldn't really run because it hurt worse. And I would run. So I got a rower yep. and I just started rowing and I built that lower back up, man. I haven't had any problems with it in the last year. Nice. You guys get the credit for that, man. Cause you really motivated me to, to cool. do that. Bro, that's a, that's a big, big victory. Yeah. Cause that chronic pain yes. sucks. And most people would just make excuses. Most people, yes. but I'm hoping that somebody out there listening with lower back pain and sure. say, you know what, let me get it looked at number one by a professional. Mm -hmm. So that way you could say, no, bro. It's muscular. It's not this. You can yeah. fix this. And then call, come up with alternative ways to make the back stronger because then you're, man, you're just, your way of life becomes so much better when you're not in that chronic freaking pain. Oh yeah. my God, that stuff sucks, especially <laughs> when it's in the back because it cuts your ability to move everywhere it's your, when it's your lower back. Good on. And that was, that was part of it too, was trying to find balance in my body. My, I was going to a chiropractor and, uh, then I go to a massage therapist and anyway, what was happening is my muscles are so tight that the chiropractor, he would realign me, but the muscles would pull them right back out of line. And then I would end up 
compressing a disc or something. And mm-hmm. I had to find that balance with stretching and exercise and not so much more calisthenics and not so much weightlifting. I still, still use weights, but I don't lift to, to be Arnold anymore. I used to want to be big and bulky. Now I just right. want to, I want to be here for my kids. I want to, when I retired, they might graduate from high school, but I want to be able to play with them, jump on the trampoline when they start playing sports. I want to be active with them. I don't want to just sit around and be like, oh, I'm, I'm old, my back hurts. I can't do anything with you. That's just, that's not what, you know, is going to make them thrive. You know, it's a great motivator. <clears throat> yes. You know, kids, having kids are one of the things that makes, give me real fulfillment. Several times, like when I do range courses, there's been several of these cases where I'm working with guys and we're doing some movement drills. And I could tell that this guy's in his thirties. I know he's got a family and he's got kids and I could see that he's overweight, 50, 60 pounds overweight, but I noticed that his footwork is good. So I'll pull him off to the side and I said, bro, you got great footwork. What was your sport? So this is how I do this thing. I said, what was your sport? He said, oh, I used to play tennis or baseball or whatever it was. I said, that's freaking awesome. I said, bro, imagine that footwork 30 pounds lighter. I know you have kids, you know, you want to be around, you want to play with them until they're out of the house. They're seven right now, but you still want to goof around with them with your son when he's 15 and he wants to wrestle you. Yeah. You don't want to get your kicked by your 15 year old <laughs> son, you know? Yeah. So I'm getting like, a kick now from a, from a three-year-old man. He is, <laughs> they're born just WWE, man. I'm telling you, he is a super fly Jimmy snooker on me every morning, brother. But nice. I love it. I love it. The, uh, the fulfillment part of that is like a year later, guy will come to the course and I say, you came to a course before, right? You look familiar. And he'll say, yeah, but that was 60 pounds ago. And I'm yeah, like, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's so freaking good. Yeah. Because yeah. that little, you know, it's not guilting them, but you, sometimes people have to be reminded. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like you tell them about the footwork thing and then, hey, you want to be around for your kids, you know? Yeah. And they go, oh my God dude, you are freaking right. Because you hit a certain age where you hit a point of no return and it's not too late, you know, for a guy who's let's say 40, it's definitely not too late. You hit that 50 mark and starts changing. Now you got to be more careful. You have to do all the boring stuff. Do your freaking four plates aside deadlift anymore. That's just, you don't need that. You don't need that ego check. You could just check the ego. (laughs) (laughs) Everything changes. So well, CJ also had an impact as well. I started listening to him and about intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. I had heard about it, but I hadn't really tried it. And so I started doing the, uh, the 16, eight or eight during eight hours. I think it was from like, I'll start at eight in the morning and I'll stop at four in the afternoon and then 16 hours of fasting. And I didn't really change anything. I ate. I mean, I never really ate bad, but the weight started coming off. I mean, I think I've, I, I went from 225 to 210, lost 15 pounds and uh, probably lost, you know, 10% body fat went from like 30% to 20%. And, uh, you know, just working out, like you say, and showing up, whether I don't feel like it, if I can just get those endorphins started, the first five, 10 minutes suck. But then, you know, I start feeling better and I might finish out with 30 or I may even do a whole workout and an hour, 15, 20 minutes later, I'm like, man, I wish, I'm glad I did this. Yep. Good on um, you. Yeah. It, it's so true though, too, you know, that you have to break that threshold. You have to get the endorsements going on. You know, you have to, yeah. you've got to get the gears in motion until you realize, oh, here I am. Now I'm on fire. And for some people, it takes a lot longer. For me, it takes a long time right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but once I'm there, you know, now it's time to work. I think too many people, but they don't, they don't challenge themselves like that. And break that either the pain threshold 
or the uh, mundane threshold, you know, where they're just yeah. going to walk around and move a couple things around and they're, they're just doing their mundane crap for 45 minutes yeah. instead of pushing that body until that first drop of sweat appears. Hmm. And it's, yes. First drop of sweat. Now I can get it. Yep. And it's just consistency of it. If you can just try to do it four or five times a week and do it every day, but at least the majority of the week, you know, it, 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 for anybody out there who's doesn't right. Who doesn't exercise yeah. it. They don't have a good system in place. What I tell them is all that stuff, get dressed up, show up and start the process. Now you got to give it this long though, three months because mm. two things happen in three months. One results that are going to stick. And also in three months now becomes a way of life becomes habitual. Mm three months. See too many people, they'll stop at a couple of weeks. They're like, well, I'm not losing any weight. Don't look at this. Yeah. That's not how you see results on yeah. a scale. You see it by belt loops, you know, <laughs> and by, you know, shirt sizes and <clears throat> your, how you don't get winded going up three flights of stairs anymore or as winded, but that's how you see results. So in those three months, that's when you're going to see it, but you got to give it that three months, man. There's a lot of people. T I had a uh, interview with doc Collins last week. Doc cool. down in Florida. Yep. Great interview. Great conversation. And uh, we were talking about just mental health, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people out there who are suffering, especially with the chronication stuff going on, yep. you know, without having the, uh, everybody that have a pub like you do and, and place to go. I live out here in the country in boondocks. There's not many places that, and even family, you're afraid, people are afraid to see you. They're afraid to get, mm -hmm. get sick. And um, so people are having some mental health issues. If you don't mind, you, you mind talking about that time that you went in that, you were in that dark place when you got out. And the one story in particular, I remember you, you said something to your son that was really. Yeah. Impactful. I have a lot of stories in my life. Yeah. And it's funny because I could make fun of most of them. I could make fun of my worst injuries, my worst failures. And, and it's fun to make fun of. This is one part of my life that I can't make fun of a funny anecdote because it, it was bleak. And I didn't even know how bleak it was for the longest time, but after I retired, I found disconnect in, I think the longer I was right about the five-year mark. That's when I found, that's when I felt disconnected the most right at the five-year mark. So post-retirement five years in, I started feeling a, a big time disconnect and just loss of identity, loss yeah. of self. And at the same time, I, I was in a horrible relationship, but I was sticking with it because I had two little kids. The relationship just got worse and worse. And, and it was it was primarily because of my spouse's drug addiction, but it was prescription meds, but she was sure. abusing them and, and drinking a lot on them. And you're not supposed to mix these meds or you're not supposed to mix alcohol with these meds. And she just went overboard and her clarity just went down the toilet where there were good days and bads. Then there were only moments of clarity where I could talk or discuss things with her. And then pretty soon it just become darkness with her. But that had such an adverse effect on me because it was a nonstop barrage of nonstop. <clears throat> as soon as I woke up in the morning, nonstop barrage of insults and accusations. Mm -hmm. And, and I lived in the bonus room above my garage for almost five years because I didn't want to leave the home <clears throat> because little kids, the other thing that I started doing just to squelch, you know, or quell the darkness was I was drinking a lot. Not to the point where I was staggering around. It was a prolonged type of thing where I would start at 10 or 11 in the morning, but it would go all day long. And by eight o'clock at night, wasted. And I wasn't working out the way I should have. It was just sporadic because, because she didn't like that even. 
it was really, really, really bad. The cops were at my house all the time and I was going straight down to rock bottom. It started escalating more and more and more. And my kids would hang out with me in the bonus room because they didn't want to be, have a part of that either. Yeah. You know, there was, it was affecting them. Pops is fun. And he's upstairs watching the Simpsons. <laughs> let's, let's go up there. But my son, James would hang out with me the most. And um, one night I was deep, dark depression at that point, And I realized it. I, and I was at the point where I was accepting it. I wasn't looking for help. I wasn't looking for an answer. I wasn't looking for a solution. This is my life now. This is who I am. Yeah. Yep. I am. Yep. This is who I am. And I was accepting it. I was I almost capitulated to it. And I had a chat. My, my son was sitting on the couch with me and, it, and it's almost cabin like my bonus room above the garage. It's almost cabin like little orange light, little teeny TV. And there's a little window yeah. Yeah. and on the window sill, a, a screech owl landed on the windowsill and it's illuminated by this little yellow light. And my kids looking this way, the window's over here. And I said, James, real slowly, I look at the window and he turns his head because it's right there. It's only six, seven feet away. And we're both looking at the screech owl and it's checking us out. And I am just, man, I am blown away because the window's open too. He could have jumped in. You know what I okay. mean? So there's no barrier there right on the windowsill. And James goes, whoa. And I'm looking at his expression. I changed from the owl because owl blew, flew away and I'm looking at him. And I'm like, dude, man, I freaking dig this out of this kid. And I told him right there. I said, you know what, James? Nah, I don't just love you. I am in love with you. And he got that, man. He understood yeah. it. Yeah. And his eyes just all welled up, you know, and, and I put him to bed and I realized just like when I talk to guys on the range, you got to be around for those kids. I realized that, dude, I have to be around for them. They're counting on me to be the upbeat one, to be the positive one, to be the fitness, the physical one. They're counting on me for so freaking much. They're not going to get any of this from their mom. I did what I tell everybody. You know, I made that plan, right? And I said, all right, tomorrow morning, I'm going for a run. So I didn't plan it. I said action. So sometimes action without a plan is better than a plan with no action. Yeah. So action. I put my running stuff out, put my iPod out. I got up early and then what? Got dressed up. I got dressed up and then I showed up, walked downstairs into my driveway and I smelled the trees, the morning air for the first time in a long time. I really just smelled it. And I took it all in and man, I had the biggest freaking epiphany. And that's when I realized, dude, I am not, you know, there's me rock bottom and the dirt start starting to be tossed onto me. Yeah. And I see my hand coming up out of that dirt. I'm not buried, bro. I'm planted. That's a freaking, that's a sprout coming up. You know, I'm Amen. sprouting. And I just motivated the hell out of myself. And I don't know how long I ran. I ran for about an hour and a half and I'm not a ground pounder. You know, I don't yeah. jog, but, um, <laughs> And then I came back into my driveway and I was starving, man, because I didn't eat anything. But, and then I worked out in my driveway for like another hour and a half. Just get up, get down, get up, get down, get up, mm -hmm. get down, you know, push up, sit ups, roll over Turkish get ups for like a, another hour and a half. And that was the beginning. That was the first day of the rest of my life. Now that's when I really freaking made change because I talked to guys about this before. Sometimes you need that. You need that victory. That's what I told that guy last night, bro. You need, you need a victory. You need a victory. So here was my first victory in a long run. Cause I did this in a long time. It's my first victory. Now I wanted that victory again, just like the wrestling, just going back mm -hmm. to high school days. I want another victory. I want another one and another one and another one. Cause I forgot what being victorious felt like.
And now that I had this back, everything started changing. Everything started changing. Granted, I, um, I was still in that relationship, but all the pieces came into place hmm. right after that good day. All the pieces, everything. It was like a CJ saying the apostolic mantle, which hmm. just goes your way. When, you're, when you have this positive energy, positive outlook, pretty soon just goes your way. You know, you're like, hell yeah. So right after that, everything started. It was like, all I had to do was start building. it, And yeah. then it became this uh, machine of perpetual motion. It just didn't stop. You know, the police showed up at my house and they said, hey, man, your wife's a wreck. You need to get out of here. You, need, you can't stay here just for the kid's sake. You need to take radical. I, I remember this radical steps. That's what he said. Radical mm-hmm. steps. And I, I had no idea that they knew, you know, and I remember breaking down, just, just gushing like a baby, just crying. And I moved out that day that day. He said, the kids will understand. The kids are resilient. They will understand. I just moved 500 yards. Yeah. You know, it was all, I found a condo. It was 500 yards away, but man, the amount of exhilaration, you know, and then I started the uh, divorce paperwork, started trying to work on custody, which was man. So the, the divorce process was long, very, very, very long, but, um, man, all I needed was that one really good day. That one really good victory. Man, that is powerful, what you said to your son, because there's a lot of us out there. Uh, my dad and I weren't close really until my parents divorced when I was eight. Dad suffered from alcoholism, and we weren't close really again until I was about 18. And we yep. saw each other you know, every other weekend, but it wasn't that, that it, it wasn't uh, what you consider normal, you know, right. people. Yeah. 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 So, guys that do have, you know, that do have that really, you know, take advantage of it. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're living in a normal, type of household you should take advantage of it man because yeah. so many people don't parents are broke up their parents don't pay attention to them they've kind of just discarded them to society sure. so well i i heard um well i, I was in a, in a bad place as well about 15 years old where i had just taken on everything in my life i got a handicapped sister parents were divorced dad was alcoholic grandmother was blind and i was going over to help her her uh, medication and stuff straight and I was taking on everything on my shoulders man Mm. and I didn't have that I didn't have men in the neighborhood who gave me advice or came to help it was all on my shoulders you know I was taking it all on and uh you know I don't know exactly where you are in your spiritual life man but I I heard this voice and it was smarter than anything I could think of so I knew it would had to be from a higher power and uh it was like give it to me and I'll help you carry that burden and it was what you said to your son I, I love you. You know, I love you. I'm in love with you. Right. And I want, love, to, yeah. I, I want to be that father for you. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. And when I heard that I went to my youth pastor and he was like, yes, in Matthew, you know, it's what God says that if my yoke is light, give it to me and I will carry those you know, burdens for you. And nice. Anyway, that's where I converted to Christianity because I just, to, to hear that, especially from God saying that he loved me that way, it changed my life. And like you say, it flipped that switch from that negative mindset to that positive mindset, and you reap what you sow, right? If you think positive, you see that hope, you know, just things start compounding and things doors start opening and people come into your life and just the grass is greener, the sky is bluer, the air is fresher, you know, you notice things more. And I really like that. I love that story. I know that means a lot to your son. I know he probably never gets tired of hearing that, mm-hmm. but I know he's a teenager now too, so things I know... Yep. It's a little different now, but I want my son to feel that same way. I know that's my goal is to let him know that I'm, I am in love with him and my daughter and that I will sacrifice whatever it takes for them. So appreciate you sharing that, Mac. Yeah, man. 
I appreciate sharing it. It saddens me to some degree because I think about those dark days. But then again, it's liberating when that story comes to culmination because it like you hearing higher power, you, you know, God telling you, I'm going to help you with this stuff. To me, that was my control all delete moment. You know, it was my reboot. And some people just need that reboot, whether it comes from somewhere else or it comes from within. And it's great to have a reboot, but I think people can create it, you know, cause I did, I created it, but who knows, maybe something was pushing me in that direction too. You know what I mean? And say, so, yeah. Hey, get off your freaking ass, get, put your running shoes out, go for yeah. a run tomorrow morning. Trust yeah. me on this. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and looking back on that, I mean, how amazing has your life been ever since? It's been great. Even though being in business for yourself, so many highs and lows, you know, in debt and all this crap. But since then, it's been freaking awesome. But I yeah. th- that was 2013. So I had to reinvent myself. And uh, 2013, I was 48 years old. Yeah. And I had to reinvent myself at 48 completely. And so that's a great testimony because a lot of people think they're too old. Oh, man, I can't do anything. You know, I'm 48 years old. I'm, you know, this is it. Yep. You have so much more life to live. Yeah, man. And I don't look back. I'm looking to tomorrow. It's not yeah. what I did yesterday. What can I do tomorrow? Yeah. Every day is a new day for me. I get excited about the day. You know, I'm excited yeah. when I wake up in the morning. I am. I'm just like, yes, today. You, know? <laughs> you changed my mindset about work. You know, I went to work and I was like, you know, oh, you know, the EMS and I love helping people. I've always helped people. I've always been the type of person, but I went from going, oh, you know, somebody's calling because I've been around, sitting around all day to I'm Batman. You know, I'm going to help them, whether it's That's help right. them get out of the floor and get in the chair or whether it's a car accident, whatever it is. You know, I'm Batman, and that's what I'm, my mindset changed to where I'm excited about going on a call. Nice. You know, not this, not this mentality of, oh, it's mm-hmm. a dread. I don't care what's going on. Drug overdose, whatever it is, hey, I get to help somebody, you know. It yep. may save their life in the process. Perfect. And that's rewarding, you know. So you just don't have, you have no idea the impact. You'll never know until you meet your maker, probably, the impact you've had on people's lives. But there's things that you have said, Mag, I just want to go over a couple of them that I really admire about you. And um, one of them is you say, how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. You mind explaining that to the listeners? Yeah. And let's say real layman's terms, right? How, how you do something is how you do everything. If your car is disheveled, yeah. there's food wrappers in it and crap like that. Guarantee you that's the way the inside of your house looks. You know what I mean? <laughs> Guarantee you. If you procrastinate at even an easy task, you procrastinate at the big ones. If you do something half-assed, you don't make your bed with, tight angles or whatever it is, everything else is going to be half-assed too. So yeah. So those, that's layman's terms, but yep, how you do something is how you do everything. And I think about it now as I'm doing something, you know, I'm just, I'm like, all right, that's, that's not where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to make that better because yep. how I'm doing this is how I'm going to do something else. So I want to make sure. Uh, another one is, man, you always give credit, you know, to your bride. You're, it's, that's very rare nowadays with men who are just, who adore their wives, who give them adoration, who are just prideful for their wife and who work as hard as you do to try to to give 100% in their marriage. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think that's much needed out there, even in the church, Mm -hmm. we're struggling there. And what what drives you in that? I know she loves you in a well, but I think that's, you know, the Bible talks about husbands love your wives, women respect your husbands. My wife and I have talked about when I love her as I'm supposed to, as I'm called to do, she has no problem respecting me. It's easy for her. But there's so many men out there who don't love their wives like they should, and they don't get the respect in return. 
Yeah, it's because it's reciprocal, right? It is. So now I, let me make a point. I'm very, very fortunate in that I found my person, bro. I found my, oh man, I, I could really get emotional when I think about how fortunate I am to have found my best friend yeah. who, you know, I could snuggle up with <laughs> and we together make, I, I call it making us as better us. We make the best versions of ourselves. She makes yeah. me the best version of myself. I make her the best version of herself. A couple of pieces of advice I give dudes is random acts of kindness. Like you don't have to wait for freaking Valentine's day to get your bride flowers, bro. Yeah. Or take her out, you know, on a surprise date. You don't have to wait for that. Just random acts of kindness. Another thing that I see couples doing too often is I love you is obligatory. So it means nothing. Yeah. I love you too. Yeah. yeah. I love you too. I'd never, I say, I love you to Rebecca probably three times a week, but I look her in the eye, you know, and, and I really mean it. And, and it's like yesterday it was in the laundry room. I see, you know, we're both hmm. folding clothes together and I'm looking at her and I'm going, damn, man. And she's like, what? I said, I am just madly in love with you, you know, or I'll remind her too. I said, you know, I'm just, I'm so fortunate that you are my person or just random texts. Not all the time either, you know, just random. I, I'll probably send her like when she's working during the week, maybe three text during the week. So, you know, she's not expecting, they're not obligatory yeah. because obligatory becomes fake. You know what I mean? It becomes a little phony. So it's got to be random and, and it can't be the obligatory. I love you thing. It's watered down. It doesn't mean anything, but yeah, I'm very, very fortunate. And here's the other thing. Now I learned a lot about a relationship having been in a bad relationship. The biggest one is don't put your foot in your mouth. Does it need to be said? Because there's so many times I could say, right? Yeah. Let's say for instance, because she's near, she, she's, I'd call her like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way, Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, let's say she used a tool and didn't put the tool back because I'm kind of anal about that. I'm just going to put it back. I'm not going to say, because it can come out snarky. Hey, do you know where that goes? Or you're going to put that tool back? Hey, that tool ain't going to put itself back. You know, there's no real good way to oh, say yeah. that without the possibility of it becoming snarky. And I just, I'd never want to go there again. I mean, we've been together almost nine years now. We haven't had a single crossword, not a single one. And I always warn her, I said, Rebecca, at some point we're going to have a fight and <laughs> it's going to be my fault. I'm going to be the dude who freaking puts his foot uh, in his mouth or says something stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't want to because I've had that in my life and I don't like it at all. It's not good. So I'm very, very fortunate. But the thing is too, we help each other be better people. So it's a very yeah. reciprocal, our relationship. It's a very give and take. Yeah, my, my wife was a drug rehab therapist when I met her. And everyone I met before her, I sabotaged relationships. I, I just mm -hmm. didn't. I wasn't the man I was supposed to be. And she saw that I was having some, some health, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And you know, she said, you know, you really need to seek some help. I was, what I was doing in the fire service when I was in Iraq in the infantry, 82nd, we were entering and clearing houses over and over and over again. Yep. And then in the, in the fire service, I was, I didn't realize it, but I was, I was therapy. I was putting on heavy gear. Mm -hmm. I'm going to an ideal age environment. I was riding a hundred miles an hour from zero to a hundred miles an hour. Somebody else is in control. Yep. I'm going into these areas where there's shootings and stabbings and then mm -hmm. the smells are different and that kind of stuff. And it's just, it was triggering me. Yep. And then lack of sleep, you know, you know how that goes as well, man. When you don't sleep well, you're yep. messed up emotionally, mentally. And I was kind of in a daze. A lot of times I was there, but I wasn't there, you know, and then seeing all the trauma, you numb yourself. You just can't take all that in and really function properly. And 
and I, I wasn't resorting to drugs or alcohol or anything, but I was just, I was just numb, man. And that mm -hmm. just carried on into my life. But anyway, I saw help, got on some, some medication on it and left the fire service into the other, into the EMS department where yep. it was slow paced, more time off, intentional, you know, for her mm -hmm. and my children. And man, my whole life is so much better. Then meeting you and CJ, get me motivated to exercise again and just strive for more. Yep. Man, life is great. Good for you, man. Good people deserve that stuff. I did appreciate you. What do you mean by motion is lotion? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, mobility is survivability. Motion is lotion. What's that? A moving rock gathers no moss, that kind of uh -huh. thing. You have to keep the gears in motion. So motion slippery, right? So lotion, mm -hmm. I mean, slippery. You want to keep everything moving and you want to keep putting lotion on all those joints because it, if you stop moving, they're just going to rust up and then you're going to need a... It's uh, <laughs> my uh, tin man from the Wizard of Oz. I got you. Another thing you talk about in your book, Sentinel, just being aware. I mean, people, that's the only thing I want to talk about is everybody's on a cell phone, walking around, like you say, in the 45, 45 degrees degree syndrome. Just syndrome. Like and what do you teach people about? You know, what, what should they be aware of and how should they, or how do you do it? Well, it you know, so there's a code called Cooper's Color Code, and it goes from white to red. Mm -hmm. So white zombie mode, red, you're fighting for your life. I don't think it's permissible to be outside, especially if you're with a family member, to be in the white. You just need to trickle into the yellow. Because, and, and I'll see couples out. Couples. And you know they're on a date. You know they have a babysitter at home and they're both like this. And like when, when I go out and meet Rebecca, man, we chat like schoolgirls, bro. <laughs> We're going on and on. Blah, 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 blah. But you, you can't be in, in the white when you're out. You need to, you know, maintain a level of awareness. And I'm not saying because of the boogeyman or because of terrorism. It could be a potential fire or safety hazard inside of a building or outside or a runaway car, whatever it is. And it doesn't take much effort. Initially, for those with no perpetual awareness, it's going to be work. And I'm not talking head on a swivel, looking at everything. I'm just saying head up and just be observant. Just take in information. It's so important, man. You know, that's a big, big, big component. That's your number one defense mechanism right there. Mm -hmm. Number one. Number one defense mechanism is awareness. T-Max Inc. Now, what are you doing with your business now? What kind of a business do you run? So it's uh, the, the T-Max is, is mostly uh, shooting and tactics. So it's uh, shooting courses. I do everything local. I don't travel anymore for training. I teach open enrollment courses up to a dozen people or private stuff. And people will come here from all over the country, all over the world. It's awesome. And, uh, we'll do private stuff together, but that's mainly in, And then under T-Max too, I consider the combat strength training thing because I do online coaching. So I consider that part of uh, T-Max as well. And you do have uh, your plate full. Do you want to plug your squad? You guys look. Yeah, for so it. it's a great place to be, right? So yeah. the Pat Matt Keep the Blaze Live Coaching Squad on Patreon. <laughs> Let's Google that. We have, dude, there's 500 of us on there now. And the shareware is something that I never would have anticipated. I thought it was just going to be work for me and CJ. Just work, 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 work. But there's so much shareware now. It's great. It's awesome that because there's so many professionals on there. So many walks of life. And a, an extremely eclectic bunch of people with skill sets that are all over the freaking map. 
But yeah, it's a great, it's a great little place to be. There's tons of information on the Patreon site, on the Pat Matt Keep Plays Live Coaching Squad on Patreon. Tons of information on their videos, how-tos. And both me and CJ post a lot of information on there. Just yeah. the amount of in- crap. Dude, that's a yeah. library. That's a plethora. It's definitely things. worth it. Yep. And your um basic do stuff on your on your Wednesday platform. I, I, last time I talked to you, I know you were saying you had kids from all over the world sending you sending yep. you stuff. I know it's got to make you feel good, you know, to know that, you know, you're reaching the young ones too, you know. With- it's amazing because the, once again, people are craving genuine, authentic. Yeah. So it doesn't get much more authentic than that basic yeah. dude stuff because it's a little bit comical and, and it's like a how-to, but in six second chunks, you know, so I make sure I captivate people because attention spans so short nowadays, but that thing has exploded basic dude stuff. I never would have thunk, you know, that. <laughs> <laughs> this right here would be on coffee mugs. Yeah, that's awesome, Mac. I'm, I'm so uh, honored to to be a part of your group and uh, to, to know you and CJ and so many other people, you know, in the group that have, have become friends. Yep. Uh, and uh, I look forward to to talking with you guys some more. Is there anything that else that you uh, feel like we need to cover or talk about or that you want to share? Or? Nope. I am. I am good. I'm. T- I'm all. That was a good chunk of talking right there man you really <laughs> let me you really let me just go which was cool all right mac thank you so much for your time absolutely and, uh... thanks for listening to the balanced man podcast you can find us on the web at the and on facebook at the balanced man podcast 